Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Pastor Clyde did not pay any money for Brenda to say that. But i got to tell you, the only thing I'll say about that, Brenda, is next, next week that you do that, we need to put sheets of paper out for everybody in the church because they're, I know, but they're trying to figure out, now wait, we did this and then this. I know some of y'all are right now going, I'm going to try that. And if it doesn't work out, call Brenda, okay? Call her. And we talked about freedom in Christ and, and the freedom that God gives us. And this is kind of the second portion of that this morning. Um, how you and I live as free people in Jesus Christ. You see, Christ freed you and me from a lot of things. But one of the things he freed us from was the penalty of sin. Christ freed us from the penalty of sin. Now, church, so that we can do this quickly, it's 11.10 right now. If you want to get out to 11.30, uh, you, you listen fast and I'll try to go fast. But the penalty of sin equals what? What happens with the penalty of sin? It is death. It is not just death of your physical body. It is, it is a word in Greek called thanatos. And that word means dead dead. It means you die physically and you die spiritually. Please hear this. Unless Jesus comes back, everyone in this room will experience physical death. Now, I personally believe that some of you all that are in this room right now will see the return of Jesus Christ. You'll be alive when Jesus returns. I think we're that close. I truly do. Those of you that may not make it till then, we suffer what's called a physical death. That's where our body finally finishes. By the way, technically, according to a surgeon friend of mine, technically every human being dies of a heart attack. So no matter what catastrophic injury happens, your heart stops. And guys, why I say that to you is the penalty of sin is not just a physical death, as scary as that might be, but it's a spiritual death as well. You and I are made to be eternal beings. We are spiritual beings that are having a unique human experience right now. We're spiritual beings created by God to live eternally. And for that eternal portion of you, which will be alive after your body dies, that eternal portion of you also has a component in it that can die too. So you're dead dead in the penalty of sin. But Christ died for you and me to pay for that penalty of sin. It frees you. His death on the cross buys you back. You're clean and you are eligible, therefore, for heaven. But he also died to free you from the power of sin. Now please hear me. When we talk about the power of sin, it's something that when Ross sings this one particular song, he breaks the power, he breaks the power of canceled sin. Okay, what's that, what's that really saying? It means this. There may be some of us in this room who have a sin that is recurrent. I've shared with you a couple of mine. One of mine is I get frustrated easily. All right? 
I get frustrated easily. I have a car right now that has a headlight that the low beam light will not work. You flip the head, headlight out for the high beam, it works fine. You change the light bulb, it works on the high beam but not the low beam. There's a problem in the wiring, and so I sit there and play with it. I look at fuses. I do everything that I've, I see this little tech manual say to do, and it will not get fixed. Do you sense the frustration that I, I have with this? I'm just sharing this out of the love of my heart this morning. Let me share with you the power of sin that is broken by Jesus' death on the cross means that I don't have to live my life and you don't have to be living your life with the recurrent sins that seem to easily beset you always ruling how you live. That's the power and the freedom in Christ. How He kills the power of sin. Not just the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. And that freedom brings you responsibility. You're no longer living just for yourself. It not only brings you responsibility, I have to live for the sake of God and others, but it brings you opportunity. You see, there's a whole world that waits to discover forgiveness and freedom that you enjoy. There's an entire world right now that is dying to know how to get rid of this hundred pounds of internal glop that we carry around with us when we don't know Christ and we feel the burden of all of the mistakes of our life. That, that responsibility and that opportunity meld ultimately into unity in Jesus Christ. You see, when the world discovers faith in Christ, when a person discovers faith, it becomes part of God's family. When you and I become a child of God, we don't just become a member of a church. Okay, Now, some of you all that are here this morning are members of First Baptist Church, and that's perfectly fine. That's a good thing. As a pastor, that's a real good thing. I like members of, of First Baptist Church. Please understand, First Baptist Church will not get you to heaven. Being a member here does not grant you grace. That comes through Jesus Christ. When you and I discover ultimately that we are unified in Jesus Christ and unified to Christ and He to us, the Bible says that we become a part of God's family. God's family. Um, Miguel, there you are. You made a comment just a minute ago about things that you learned, takeaways, for, for instance. And you said, look, the takeaway is that God has made us part of His family. No matter what what you're worshiping in, what style you whatever happened, just happened. Uh, whatever you, you are, are worshiping in in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a part of God's family when you know Him by faith. You believe that He died on the cross for your sin. And you feel God's call. Let, let me tell you what. The coolest thing, Joe, that happened to you this week is you realize that God replanted another person that feels called to ministry just like you did eight years ago. That just happened, and that's a really cool deal. By the way, Miguel, no pressure, brother, but you're going to preach in this church on a Sunday morning. You will. You will. And you will bring, you'll bring the mail. 
Guys, I share that with you because if God has called somebody, then what we do as a church body is encourage the call and the pursuit of God in all things, in all things. The reason I share this with you is because when we are free in Christ, it gives us freedom to go ahead and say, I'm going to do something, God, for you, whether it is become a missionary or become a pastor or anything like that, any kind of vocation God has called you to. It is freedom in you that God has given you for you to pursue His glory and His name to be raised up above all things. Now that's what freedom in Christ really is. The Apostle Paul writes these things again to the Roman church. And and please understand about this little church. It was in the middle of a culture that absolutely hated, hated the things of God. And he writes these words in chapter 15 of the book of Romans. And we're going to only look at two very short verses this morning that talk about our responsibility not on how we live our lives outwardly, but what we do with our lives to be free in Christ and to demonstrate His freedom. So I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read God's Word. We stand in order to honor the reading of God's holy and perfect Word. And I invite you to read with me. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. In this short passage, the Apostle Paul mentions two distinct Groups. Please hear what I'm going to say. These were distinct groups because of who they worshipped, where they came from, and please hear this. And guys, listen, every time this word is mentioned anymore, it, it, it causes everybody to get the yips, where you kind of go, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about it. These two groups were racially different than each other. Now, folks, we should live in a world right now where race is not the issue, where race is no longer the arbiter of acceptance or rejection. We should live as that. Is that the case in our world? This is yes, this is no, this is I'm falling asleep, Clyde, please hurry. Is that the way our world operates? No, it's not. No, it's not. We live in a fallen world, folks. And what God wants you and me to do, and what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 15, as Paul says to them, he said, Jesus came to serve one group over here. Remember how we've divided the church before? This part of the church right over here, this line right here. Alice, hold your hand up. There's Alice. Everybody on that side of Alice over here, you're Jews, okay? All right? Say, yay, Jews. All right, everybody on this side of Alice, say, yay, Gentiles. All right, big difference between the two of you is there's a racial difference and there's a cultural difference. And it's it's significant enough that the Jews over here thought that the the Gentiles were subhumans, untermensch, 
subhuman. They don't know what to do. They're not, God doesn't pursue them, and God doesn't care about them. God cares about us and us only because we're Jews. Gentiles over here, you all are going, you know what? I'm just happy that Jesus died on the cross for me. I can eat shrimp. I can go eat pork barbecue. And you Jews can't. And that kind of world, the Apostle Paul writes to, and he writes to a church that is just like that. He writes to several churches like that. And when he's writing to them, his one, his one concern and his one hope is that Christ wants you to model God's acceptance of others. Christ wants you to model God's acceptance of others, not what culture or religion or race tells you to do, not what hope and thankfulness that you just are a part would do. He wants us to model Him and to model His acceptance. Please hear this. Please hear this. Clyde, your pastor, knows that there are people here in this church that I have trouble accepting. How many of you all graduated from Baylor University? Barbara, I love you. I, I love you. I love you. Judy Moore, where are you? I absolutely loved you. I loved Lillian Fuquay. However, however, having to accept the fact that these absolutely intelligent women went to that school does something to me. You all laugh. Something as silly as that becomes a barrier for people? God wants better than that in your life and mine. And in freedom in Christ, we are called by God to accept one another as He does. How does God accept and receive sinners? Is there like a process where the person has to do something before God will take a look at them? Romans chapter 5 says that Christ died for you while you were still far from God, not even knowing that there was a God or that He loved you. He doesn't wait for you to clean yourself up. He accepts and receives you as you are right at this very moment. And if so, if that is so, then what about the sorry people that you know in your life? Now, we're not talking about people that are, that are asking forgiveness for something. I'm talking about the Texas definition of sorry, all right? Y'all know what sorry is? If someone from Texas says that is a sorry person, they're not saying they are really penitent. It means that they're a really bad person. That person's sorry. What about the sorry people that you know? What do you do with people like that? How do you learn to accept them in Christ and have the freedom in Christ to do that? And let me ask you this question. Is there a person or a type of person that you have difficulty loving in Christ? Is there someone like that or some, some persons like that? Nancy Pelosi. Or Donald Trump. Um, any Washington Redskin player. 
You have trouble loving those folks? Or maybe it is a Longhorn or a Baylorite or, or even a Crimson Tider, whatever you call those people. God says, share this with you because somewhere along the line, you and me, we meet people that we don't get along with. And the scripture that we just read says that Jesus decided to die for the Jews and to serve them. You see, simple benevolent dismissal of people that we don't like is not an option. God wants you and me to face the demons that we collect inside our lives with His Holy Spirit power. Do you believe that God is big enough to deal with your dislike of someone else? Do you believe that you have a God that's big enough to take you through the process of undoing that and giving you freedom in Christ to be able to look at them and serve them? Would God be so bold as to send you to bless somebody you don't like? Let me share with you this. God sent Jesus to be the servant of the very people that would reject and kill His Son. Everybody on this side, all of you Jews that rejected Jesus and killed Him, He sent Jesus to serve you. All of you people over here that are the Gentiles, that were the Romans that were around Jesus that crucifixion morning. You all were the people that put the nails in His hands. If you have a dislike for someone, understand that as a Christ follower, we are called to do the very thing Jesus did, become a servant of the very people that will reject them. That is why Jesus says to bless and pray for your enemies. It ultimately frees you from the sin of bitterness and it bears witness to that person who sees the change change that God has made in you. The little church in Rome that Paul wrote to was surrounded by people that didn't like them or trust them. And if you have to deal with a situation like that, you learn to love them. You learn to pray for them. You learn to serve them. Even if they want to kill you because you become just like Jesus who was willing to do that for you and me, Jew or Gentile. God created you and created a world of people for you and I to practice on how to serve them, how to love them, how to pray for them. The freedom in Christ allows us to do that. The nice thing about the admonition of freedom in Christ to love and to serve is that we have a grand palette on which to paint the canvas. The entire world waits for you and me to practice on them. Some will simply accept it. Others will be confused by it. And still others will look at it as being weakness. But God still calls us to do that, to serve one another. Here's what I want you to do, church, for your homework this week. Homework, yep. I want you to go find some person that you don't get along with right now, and I want you to do something nice for them. Do not announce it. Do not go ahead and broadcast it. Do it as anonymously as 
possible. Since I've been pastor here at First Baptist, I have had five people that have come forward at one time or another and just say, look, if you come up to me and you try to hand me money, I won't take it. But these five folks broke through that. One of them gave me some money, and, he's, and he said, I want you to send a kid to camp. And I said, well, great. Sorry, Joe, camp's over. He, he, you know, sorry, missed it, missed it. But he sent kids, in the four years you're here, he sent kids to camp. And he handed me that money, and he said, I want you to send a kid that won't be able to go to camp to camp. And I didn't feel comfortable because I had the money. I said, hey, let's put it in, a, in an envelope right now, and I'll make sure it gets to the people that need to do that. And here was the funny thing about it. He did not go ahead and put any stipulation on it. There was a lady in our church who, who had a jug of coins. She and her husband would come by every day, and they would empty their pockets into that jar. And at the end of the year, they took that money, and she brought it up to me. And again, I'm like, I don't do money. Talk to worth. She brings me this jar, and she said, I want you to give this to somebody who needs it. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question this morning. How many of you could use right now 300 bucks? The rest of y'all are liars. All these people are, are, are telling, or you're falling asleep, okay? 300 some odd dollars in this jar. We roll it. We go ahead and take it to the bank. And, and I can remember Sharon going, what do we do with this? Well, we find somebody that needs it. The stipulation this person made on this was this. Don't give it to somebody that acts like they need it. Give it to somebody that does need it. Do you realize, folks, that the Bible says there's no difference? Not for us to decide. That person is worth ministering to and serving, that person isn't. Now, guys, listen to me. I'm not an idiot. We have people that come by this church all the time that ask for things, ask for money, ask for help. When you have somebody that's coming in and has track lines down their arm and you know that the money you give them is going to be in their arm within the next 30 minutes, I can share with you. I can feed you. I can give you clothes. But I will not go ahead and support a destructive habit in your life. There's a big difference between the two. Do you understand that difference? But God has called you and me to serve the person that has track marks down their arms. To love them and to pray for them and to serve them. Not whether they deserve it or not, but simply because they are a child of God. They may not even know that they are a child of God yet. And God has given us a tremendous opportunity in the world to practice on. There will be some of those folks who see that as weakness, but there will also be those that will look and say, why are you doing this? And God will put in their hearts a desire to seek the real reason for the actions you take, and they will seek Jesus. You see, Christ freed you, not only from the penalty of your sin, and not only from the power of your sin, but He frees you to be able to go ahead and serve others in the midst of their sin. 
Understand this, this dividing line that was in the church that Paul sent to. The Gentiles were despised by the Jews because they were simply not Jews. Okay, all you Jews over here. The reason you don't like them, they're not you. They're not like you. They're not related to you. They are racially different than you. They are religiously different than you. And that becomes the separation point. Folks, let me share with you. Because of that dividing line, the Apostle Paul writes these words and he says, Jesus died and died for the Jews and to serve them so that the patriarchs, the ones in the past and the history of the Jews, would be fulfilled with what God has done. And oh, by the way, it wouldn't trickle down to the Gentiles. They become recipients as well. And guys, again, we talk about this. You are a citizen of heaven. A citizen means you have equal standing with anybody, but you are also at the same time as a Christ follower, a subject of the Most High God. He is our King, and what He commands we will do. You are both. As Gentiles and Jews in that little church in Rome, primarily it was Gentiles. In that, Paul wants to go ahead and wipe away any sense of standing so that this people will become one in Him. The Jews hated the Gentiles, primarily because they were Roman citizens. God's Word, the Bible says, is for all people, not just the ones who look like you. Because of that, Paul writes this letter to the heart of the Gentile world in Rome. There were Jews that looked at Paul as a turncoat. You read the book of Acts and you find out that they mistreat Paul, they lie about him, and they plot to kill him. And oh, by the way, they did the same thing to Jesus. And Paul instructs the Roman church and to you and me that we're to serve those kind of people. Why so hard of a task? Because God has made you and then remade you to serve Him and then others before you served yourself. And you see the big difference between a person on this side of Christ and a person on that side. The person who is not a believer looks solely for their own interest. It is selfishness wrapped into self-approval. I want what I want and I want to get it now. The person that's a Christ follower has that flipped upside down. God becomes the thing that I serve and the one I serve most. Then I serve others. And I become the third level of service. Before I get what I want, I do what God wants. I serve others. Let me ask you a question. Do you know this man? Do you know him? He was on our board exactly one year ago. Do you know who he is? He looks like your average Baptist minister, doesn't he? That's because he is. His name is William J. Murray III. Now, for anyone over the age of 60, we ought to know who his mom is. Know who his mother was? Madeline Marie O'Hare. He was the child that was the plaintiff in the case of Murray versus Colette and the Abington School District versus Shemp. 
It ended mandatory prayer and Bible reading in public schools. He was the plaintiff. His mother, Madeline Marie O'Hare, brought the lawsuit. She founded the group American Atheists. She openly tried to do everything from taking in God We Trust off the money that was one of, one of her pursuits to banning the prayer in Congress that opens each session of Congress. She made it her goal to oppose God in every way possible. And in 1980, this family who was so disconnected from anything in, uh, that, that speaks of God, in 1980, William, who, who had had a child out of wedlock, whose life was a wreck, met a man who began to talk with him and love him and pray for him and serve him with the love of Christ. And in 1980, he became, William J. Murray became a Christ follower. Now, that's not the end of the story. Madeline Marie O'Hare, when, when she found out that he had made a commitment to Christ, spoke these words, quote, One could call this a postnatal abortion on the part of a mother, I guess. I repudiate him entirely and completely for now and for all times. And then she said this, He is beyond human forgiveness. But he's not beyond God's forgiveness. And neither are you. Neither is anyone that you will see this morning. You go this afternoon to go eat at La Casita. By the way, don't offer a dare to buy the pastor a beer when you go. You go there, every person that you will see is loved by God, and God offers them forgiveness. What happened to him? It separated him from his mother, from his stepbrother, and from his daughter, who Madeline Marie O'Hara had adopted as her own daughter and raised as such. It cost him everything. And in an interview, he made this comment. I have been, it has cost me in my commitment to Christ all of my family. And yet, I'm humbled by the fact that it cost Christ all of his eternal family to come to earth to die for me so that the family would include a person like me. Folks, I want to share with you, you're called in the freedom of Christ to serve a world that won't get it. But just as you guys learned this week, we serve a God who is capable of calling us to do extraordinary things for His glory. Let's go to Him in prayer right now. Father, this morning, I am thankful for freedom in Christ. It's not something that I deserve. It's not some, something that anyone here has earned. 
Instead, Father, this morning, I am grateful we do not get what we deserve. I'm thankful instead, Father, that we have the promise that you have given that you will love us and never forsake us. I'm thankful, Father, that you have given us a mission, and that is to serve others. And I pray, Father, that we will do that. There are others that are far from you, like William J. Murray III. And if that's the case, Father, they're right here as next-door neighbors and as people that we will even see today. Help us to serve them and have the freedom that God has given us to share with them the glory and hope of eternal forgiveness. Father, we may be past human forgiveness, but we're not past yours. For those that are here right now that need to know your forgiveness, it's offered. For those that are here right now that need to belong to a family of faith, you offer that. Father, for those that need to go ahead and simply say, I need to take the next step in my life, in my walk with Christ. During this time of, of invitation, during this time of response, I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will work. May He rule our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Stand together, church. God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made. I'd love to pray with you here at our altar. And during this song, God's speaking to you about that next step. You come down here. God will attend to every step. You come as God leads.